0: I want to take you to Matthew's Gospel again, and we're going to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. And we've talked about Christ's authority over sickness, his authority over a system of religion. We talked about his authority in a variety of situations, and uh, these mentioned in these chapters. Today I want to talk to you what I think to be probably the highlights. Uh, the important, the most important one. They're all important, but the most important one. And that is his authority over sin. Christ, as this chapter opens, Jesus has just left the confrontation with the demoniacs of Gadara. And in that event, Jesus had confronted one of the terrible results of sin. And that is a life that is completely controlled by sin and the power of darkness. How does one get to that place? How does one get to the place where these creatures were, these men who had so given their lives to sin and to serve the devil that they were, Possessed of demons, and they lived among the tombs, and how does one get to that point? You say, well, you got to do some pretty drastic things. Really? I don't think so. Sin is such a powerful thing. We oftentimes overlook the power of sin and what it can create and cause in our lives. And we should look very seriously at it this morning. Jesus comes following up on the heels of that confrontation. He gets back in a boat in verse, nine, or verse 1 of chapter 9. And he crossed over and he comes into his own city. Then behold, they bring him a, a man who's paralyzed, lying on a bed. And the Bible says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once, immediately, some of the scribes said within themselves, "This man blasphemes." And at once they said, "This man, blasphemes, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't let me start taking detours. Poor CT.'s already got me on schedule back there. He's, he <laughs> but Jesus knowing their thoughts did you catch that? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power or authority to men. The church needs to come to grips, I think, with the reality of sin, And it's power that it holds over the lives of people who surrender themselves to it. Paul addressed this issue, and I'm going to take a detour from chapter 9 for just a moment. And we're going to go to Romans chapter 6, chapters 5 and 6. In Romans chapter 5 and 6, Paul gives us a treatise on this concept of sin and how it works in the lives of people. And It's so interesting. There's so much here. This this could turn into a long, drawn-out lesson, but I I don't want it to do that. I want to get back to the lesson. But what what is sin? Number one, sin is a condition. When it. When Paul begins to teach about sin, he teaches us that sin is a condition. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, and I'm going to parenthetically slip in there in context. You'll figure this out. That's Adam. Okay? By one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, and so did sin, because all have sinned. Skip down to verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also, thank God, by one man's, parenthetically insert the word Jesus, by his obedience many will be made righteous. Every person in the human family is touched with the malady of sin. Every person is infected and influenced by sin. No matter what kind of godly environment you may have been birthed into, no matter what kind of godly heritage you had as a child growing up and your parents read the Bible to you every day and they took you to church every time the doors were open. As a matter of fact, you stayed around and turned off the lights. If you, you know, I mean, you were just there all the time. And church was a huge part of your life. That doesn't really matter. Sin has affected every person. Every man was born in sin. Every woman. (laughs) Bible says in Romans 3.23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hmm. Anybody want to admit to that? Now, we don't like to admit to it. We don't like to own that fact, but the reality is all of us have sinned. And here's the interesting thing. I had four children. All four of my children, at least as far as I know, are in church this morning or watching online. They're engaged in ministry. They're engaged In serving the Lord, not only on the weekends in church, but in their lives. Had a conversation uh, last yesterday, just yesterday, with one of my sons. And it's amazing how this little rebel, this little person that my wife used to say was going to be a reprobate because he had no respect for God and no respect for anything, has turned around to all he wants to talk about are spiritual things. And it blesses and thrills my heart. It's exciting to me. But those four beautiful children... They look like their mother, thank God. <laughs> those four beautiful children and those eight big, round, brown eyes that fixed their gaze on our lives and look to us for guidance and example. You know what? I didn't have to teach one of them to sin. They were beautiful. My daughter's still beautiful, the boys is not so much, but they were beautiful kids, as I'm sure yours were. Beautiful children. You loved them, you lavished love on them. You couldn't, you couldn't imagine that they would ever do anything that would break your heart. And then about the age of 18 to 20 months, You started seeing that little attitude. And you didn't have to teach them that. You didn't have to teach them to lie. It just came natural. Why? Because there is a human condition called sin. And every person is born with this bent or this leaning that pulls us in the direction of, of acting out upon that nature and becoming a sinner by choice. It's not a sinful act that must be forgiven. It's a sinful nature from which we must be freed. That's what it is. Sin passed on through the human family of Adam. And because of Adam's disobedience, we were all born broken. And our only hope is to experience the forgiveness of God and freedom from our brokenness and sin. To experience that cleansing of that sinful nature from within us. Healing begins at the point of forgiveness. It all starts there. Because sin is not only a condition. Sin is a choice. How many of you remember the first time you chose to sin? I can't put my hand up because I don't remember. I just know that I did. I know there came a point in my life when I lied to my mom. Or I stuck my tongue out at my dad behind his back. (laughs) You know? responded in rebellion, responded in disobedience. Why? Because sin is a choice, and it's something that we choose to do. And every man chooses to do it because of the warped, twisted bent within us. Romans 6.12 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as servants of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, for sin shall not have dominion or authority over you. I didn't choose to be a sinner, I was born one. But in Christ, I am presented an opportunity to escape the awful effects of sin on my life. I choose, according to Romans 6, I choose who. And what will control me? I present my body to sin as a slave of uncleanness, in verse 19, or to the Savior as a slave of righteousness for the purpose of holiness in my life. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, look at it, wages, that's something we deserve, that's something we earn, right? Some of us may get some without working too hard for it, but we we get our wages, you know? You put in 40 hours, and when that pay stub comes, you scour that thing to make sure you got everything you had coming to you. I get paid mileage on my job. I guarantee you, if they're going to get me anywhere, it's going to be on the mileage. So when the pay stub pops up on the computer and I, I start looking, that's the first thing I look at. How many miles did they give me credit for? Twelve miles this week, and I drove 258. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. Let's talk about this Because part of my wage package is You pay for my mileage You reimburse me for my mileage I want everything that I have coming to me Now don't act like I'm a rebel Y'all do the same thing You want everything that you've earned Everything that you agreed to receive As a result of your time employed Wages of sin You're going to have a payday You continue in sin, there is a payday. The wages of sin is what? It's death. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. But, thank God, he didn't put a period there. He just added a conjunction and said, but the gift of God is eternal life. A gift is something you couldn't deserve. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't buy it. As a matter of fact, has anybody ever given you a gift and you said, Oh, no, 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 let me pay you for this. It's offensive to the person who gave you the gift. You can't pay for that. Why? Because it means more to the person doing the giving than it does to the person doing the receiving. It means everything to God to give you a gift of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Wages of sin, death, gift of God. Couldn't deserve it, couldn't earn it, couldn't merit it, couldn't be good enough. But, oh, thank God, he gives us the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's so many verses that I could give you to go on this. If only this were a lesson on sin, but it's a lesson on authority of Christ over sin. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 9. And let's look about, uh, at a truth about forgiveness, Jesus looks at this man. His friends bring him. They lay him before the Lord. He's paralyzed. He's unable to function. The first thing Jesus does is he looks at the man and he says, Son, got good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. i got good news. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Wow. Forgiveness is first. It's the first. It's the primary. It's the baseline of God's interaction with man. Forgiveness. It all starts there by Him granting to us, undeservedly so, his undeserved favor, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Isn't it funny? This guy's paralyzed. He's lying on a bed. He's carried by friends. Anybody can see. He's got some real issues. He does. But do you know Jesus understood the power of forgiveness? And he said, the primary need of your life is not that you get up and walk. It's not that you work again. It's that you know you've been set free. You're free to live again. You've been forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, why is forgiveness so important? First of all, because sin breaks God's law. It breaks the law of God. You violate his will and his purpose when you sin. Jesus asked the crowd, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk? Now the crowd immediately thought, well, it would be much more difficult To say, take up your bed and walk. What do you think? I think for Jesus to look at that man and say, you are forgiven. That cost him his life. It cost him the authority to forgive sin. He had to have that authority. And the way he gained that authority, even though he had it right now because his father gave it to him. But he gained that authority by going to the cross and taking everybody's sin with him and being nailed to the cross, and our sin nailed to the cross. And then he came out of the grave with the authority to truly forgive sins. Is it easier? Yeah. It may be easier to to visualize. It may be easier for us to comprehend and understand. But is it really easier? Jesus didn't say it was. He asked them. He said, what's easier? Which one's easier to you? You've broken the law of God. Sin violates God's will. It violates His purpose. And it separates us from God. Remember Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day? And when they chose sin, what happened? They ran and hid themselves. They were afraid of God. Why? Because sin brings distance. It creates a separation between God and man. But I want you to understand why forgiveness is so essential. Because not only does sin break God's law, sin breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart. He's not mad at you when you sin so much as he feels sorry for you. You don't comprehend that walking with him in obedience to him is the best life that's available to you. And he understands that when you sin, you're inviting more trouble, more pain, more sorrow, more suffering. And you're staying dead on the inside. Sin breaks God's, oh, I think. The world needs a fresh revelation of the power of John 3.16. I think the church does, too. What does it mean, really, that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but have everlasting life? It means God really, 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 had as many. I could go on all day and stand here, really. He really loves us. He loved the world so much that he considered the life of his son and he considered the sin of the world and he thought the life of his son to be an acceptable price for him to pay so that I could have life. And when I don't do things God's way, It breaks his heart, not because he's angry so much. Now, God is angry with the wicked every day, the psalmist said. But that's not so much it. It's because he knows I'm not going to receive the best that he has for me. Sin cannot bring me satisfaction. Sin cannot bring me peace and love and joy. Sin cannot bring me A freedom of spirit that is only found in forgiveness. Forgiveness not only is first, but it's free. God desires to forgive me more than I desire to be forgiven. I've often read this question or this story. And this question (laughs) invariably comes to my mind. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. The man didn't even ask. That we have a record of. We don't even know that he could speak. Now in the church, we say, now you got to take these steps to be saved. you got to confess your sins and and repent and ask forgiveness and acknowledge. You know what we really need to do? We really need to get broken people in the presence of, of the one who's able to forgive and heal and let him do his work why would i question his authority and his approach why could would i in my humanity say jesus didn't do this quite right that's not the way it says in our manual our manual says you got to do this and this and this and this jesus said your sins are forgiven Maybe there was a connection. Maybe Jesus read the man's heart. He did read the hearts of the other people standing around. Maybe he just saw that that man wanted something more. But he offered forgiveness freely. Forgiveness is free. And thirdly, forgiveness is freeing. It's liberating. And if you've never experienced the power of forgiveness, you'll never understand what it means to truly be free I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of the past songwriter said I've traded my shackles and I'm free are you free this morning don't give me your resume (laughs) I don't need your resume that's between you and God I am proud that you've been in church for 40 years, 50 years. I'm, I'm happy for you. You made a wise choice. But I'm not asking you how long have you been in church. I'm not asking you how many times you've been baptized. I'm not asking you how many times you've done all the religious things. Are you free? Do you accept the fact that Jesus forgives you? I know so many people. I've counseled with people. Who claim that they are forgiven, but they still live under a shadow from their past. Stop it. You're free. All those things that you hold on to and feel guilty for, stop it. You're for, you know what forgiveness means? I think I've shared this with you. It means to let it go. When Jesus said, your sins... Are forgiven. He was saying, I'm letting go of your sins. You're not accountable for those things anymore. Now, there's more, okay? There's more, but that's the only place to start. Your sins are forgiven. Freedom from guilt, freedom from fear. Now, let me wrap this up. Thirdly, the testimony of the forgiven. This is not so much a verbal testimony, but a visible testimony. Jesus looked at this man and he said, so that the world would know, so that the people standing around would understand, he said, what's easier, say you're forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? And just so they would know that he had authority to forgive sins, he said, take up your bed and walk. Son, get up. It's time to do something. It's time to make a change. It's time to experience your new life found in the forgiveness that I've just granted to you. True forgiveness results in a new way of life. Life was radically going to change for this guy. You know that? Life was never going to be the same. There would never be another day where his four friends would stop by the house, put him on a, on a gurney of some kind, carry him wherever he needed to go. Why? He was forgiven. He was free. His life was new. He had a brand new start. When Jesus forgives us, he makes us new. He gives us a fresh start. He says, I got something for you to do. Because I want to prove to this world that forgiveness works. (laughs) Some of my favorite scriptures are found in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 says, for by grace you're saved through faith. That not of yourselves, a gift of God. Not of works, because we would boast about it, lest any man should boast. But so many people put a period there and stop reading. Don't stop reading there. Verse 10 goes on and says, For we are created in Christ Jesus unto, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto a new life, good works. You know what you are? As a forgiven child of God, you are a trophy of his grace. You know what he wants to do with you? In Ephesians, he said, Paul said, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God wants to use your life to bring glory to his name. True forgiveness results in a new way of life. True forgiveness results in a new walk. Do you experience the new walk? The nice thing about the new walk is even if it's old, it's new. Even if you've been walking it for years, it's as fresh as the morning sunrise. Every morning, His mercies are new. Every morning, we renew our relationship with Christ. When you wake up tomorrow morning, say, Good morning, Jesus. Let's have a great day. Amen? Because it's a new life. It's a new walk. It's a new way to live. I want to ask you this in closing, and I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes before I ask you. And I want you to think about this. Does my life testify to the forgiveness that I have received? Do I live my life in such a way so that the world can see a new person, a new me, and give glory to God on my behalf? Anytime the church does good works, it's always to bring glory to God, never to ourselves, to God. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? Pat you on the back and say, "Woo! wow, how spiritual. No, glorify your Father in heaven. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. I'm forgiven. Are you forgiven this morning? That's Jesus' authority over sin. He breaks its power and sets us free. Let's pray. Father, it's just good. It's just good to be together, centralized around your word. Thank you for this amazing story not just a story, an incident in the life of Christ that Matthew recorded for us so that we could understand the value of forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. Let every one of us in this place experience the the joy of a new life that you have for us in Christ Jesus. Make our lives more consciously aware of what you're doing through us to draw people to Christ and to bring glory to your name. I thank you, Father, for this time in your word, and I thank you for this time in your house. In the name of Jesus, amen.